Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua 21, the book of Joshua. We continue our study through the Old Testament. And in Joshua 21, remember, we are studying the inheritance. Uh, God's promises are not just coming to pass. They've come to pass. Now, remember, we make the distinction between first generation and second generation just like we studied on Sunday, it just so happens that we made mention of this on in our Sunday study in Hebrews about that first generation. And as a result of unbelief, there was no entry into the promised land because with with belief comes obedience, you see, and with disobedience is unbelief. And that's why we see in our study in Hebrews, we see it's because of unbelief. And it just so happens we're on this exact same subject matter in Joshua 21. Now, we say it just so happens, it, we, it just so happens, but there is no coincidence. You see, how the Lord teaches us, it's so beautiful because remember tabernacle in the Old Testament? It is noun, a, 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 a place. Tabernacle as new covenant believers, it's a verb oneness with Christ to tabernacle with us. And that's how the Bible interprets, you know, to tabernacle with us, Jesus Christ, you see. And so, and remember, we are in this journey and there is a promised land for you and me. And I speak of paradise. Okay. I speak of paradise and there's a very specific formula, a very specific recipe for paradise to be a reality. You see, it's to walk with Christ. To walk with Christ and obey him, be obedient unto him. Remember, disobedience is unbelief. That's why Brother James says faith without works is dead. And he likens it to Abraham and Isaac. And what do you see with the biblical account with Abraham and Isaac? You see obedience where the Lord says ABC and Abraham does ABC exactly as told. You see obedience. And it's so powerful because when you understand that you see the effectuation of promises of God unto his people old testament and new testament and even today as new covenant believers we make these distinctions between first generation and second generation and for you and me our first generation is born into adam when you and me came out of our mother's womb i mean you know like you know you with your mother and me with my mother but when we came out of our mother's womb we are born into Adam. And that's why Jesus Christ says, unless a man is born again, you see, and Nicodemus was like, what? Born again? How could it, how could a, how could a guy go back into the mother's womb and then be born again? What are you talking about? And Jesus, there was a little chastisement, little tap tap from Jesus because he says, you call yourself a teacher. I'm paraphrasing, but he's, you call yourself a teacher and you don't know what I'm talking about. And I love that little harsh, but I love it because, you know, Jesus has this expectation of those who are in this position of teaching, you know, he's speaking to Nicodemus and those who are in this position, he has the expectation of, listen, you got to know this so that you can tell the people you see. And you know, that that's, you know, Nicodemus, but what about pastors today, teachers today? See, it's not just to regurgitate what what is learned in seminary, what we call nowadays cemetery. You see, it's not just to regurgitate what's learned in oh, I, you know, the theology school. No, it's 
a personal walk with Jesus Christ, one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ to know the word of God. Remember when Paul speaks when his when he came to Christ, he says, I didn't immediately confer with flesh. You see, he went to the Lord. He sought the Lord. And there was a period of time that passed and all of a sudden he goes back and he starts to teach Jesus Christ and him crucified, proving from the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah from the Old Testament, from Torah, from the prophets. He would prove from the scriptures that Jesus is Messiah. You see, his first generation, you know, and then the Damascus Road, second generation, alive in Christ, born again in Christ. And it's beautiful. And so when we look at the Old Testament and we see first generation of Israel and, you know, they, they, that first generation dies in the wilderness and second generation enters the promised land. Well, it's, a, it's the same for you and me. It's exactly the same. I mean, you know, exactly the same, but the same nonetheless, because we die in the ways of Adam. We reckon those, those ways and those days as dead over. The old nature, the old man, the old woman, to reckon the old man dead, to reckon the old woman dead, and then we're alive in Christ. Remember, Paul is the one who says, it is no longer, he says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now, that's Paul who says that. Remember, that is Paul who says that. Now, that's not to say that it does not apply to you and me. It's not to say that. But whether or not it does apply to you and me, that, okay, ball's in our court. We have a choice to make. You see, somebody is a Christian, says, okay, I'm a Christian, you know, uh, 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 I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, let's go do our crack. Hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, let's go to the strippers. Hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, let's go gambling. Hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, let's go cook spoons, let's do our lines. You say, wait a second, hold the phone there, my friend. I don't see death. That sounds an awfully lot, uh, an awful lot like the old man. That sounds an awful lot like the old woman. You know what that means? The carnal nature is alive and well. The carnal nature is still alive. And that's not good. That's likened to unbelief. Because remember, unbelief is disobedience. Just like we learned on, on Sunday. In Hebrews, the first generation, because of unbelief. Second generation, promised land. But then a person says, you know, uh, 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 you know, is, you know, a person calls on the phone and says, you know, hey, you know, I got the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Come on. You say, no, the old man is dead. The old woman is dead. No, those days are over. That's not me anymore. Instead of me hanging out with you and let's go get baked. No, you hang out with me and let's have a Bible study. You see, fishers of men, fishers of women. Instead of, you know, the other way around where, don't forget, Satan is a fisherman too. And he tries to, you know, he's not going to lure with a kick in the face. He's not going to say, hey, come walk with me and I'm going to kick you in the face every five minutes and kick you hard. Because everybody would say like, no, I don't want that. But he lures with candy. You see? Hey, come on, I got the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Come on. He said, no. Satan is a fisherman too. That's the old man. That's the old woman. That's not happening. But instead of that, hey, let's take your crack and get rid of it. Let's burn it. Let's get rid of it. And we get rid of it. And then you come hang out with me. And you know what? Let's have a nice Bible study. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Then the person comes to Christ and you win souls. You see? And then what happens is that such a person at that time could say, listen, 
It is no longer I who live. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So, you know, we look at these passages in Joshua, in Joshua 21. And sometimes these passages, like in chapter 21, there's a lot of names of cities, names of towns. And it's kind of like, okay, we can get done with it in five minutes. Well, you know, I'm exaggerating, maybe seven minutes. He said, we'll get done with it in seven minutes, 10 minutes, a piece of cake. Okay, we got our chapter in. But you see how loaded this is, especially when you consider, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our studies when Moses was in the mountain, you know, and Joshua is outside the cloud. And it's like these blueprints that meant one-on-one. I mean, Joshua's outside the cloud. Moses is in the cloud. And Moses is receiving these very specific blueprints from the Lord. And he's receiving these blueprints. Now, put yourselves, put yourself in Moses' sandals. You know, put, put yourself in Moses' sandals and Joshua's sandals. So they, they, they leave the mountain. They're walking down the mountain, the two of them together. And don't forget, Moses isn't a spring chicken. They're walking down the mountain. And, you know, what they expect to see, because when you read the prior chapters, you know, the elders, they're not in the camp of Israel. They're a little bit higher in the mountain, like a little plateau. And but Moses and Joshua, where are these guys? You know, they don't they don't see the elders. So instead of two being joined to the elders, no, it's just the two. And they get down the mountain a little further. OK, no elders. I wonder where they are. And then they go down further, go down the mountain and they hear like all this party. They hear like a big party. They get down. They see the sex and the orgies. And then they see the worship of the golden calf. Now, at that moment, and if you listen to those prior studies, it's hardcore. Those are very, very painful studies because it's difficult to study through those subject matter because it's so, it's so atrocious. It's so sad. It's so devastating. But at the same time, don't forget that the blueprints of the Lord were given to Moses. Now, you put yourself in Moses' sandals like, you know, okay, you know, I got the blueprints. You get to the, the people of Israel. It's like you, you see the, the, the faith of the faithfulness of the Lord, but also the faithfulness of Moses. Because, you know, he didn't get down and see that. And then all of a sudden just figure, well, you know, that was all for nothing. No. I mean, picture that. The Lord gives you specific blueprints. And then you get to the bottom of the mountain and you see, and it's like, there's such a vast disconnect. How in the world can these blueprints, very specific and very holy blueprints, how can these specific holy blueprints apply to this people? How is it? You see the holy blueprints that Moses has on the tablets. Very specific blueprints. How in the world can these blueprints apply to a people worshiping a golden calf with their sex and orgies and nakedness and parties and revelries? How could this holiness When there's such a vast disconnect, how could it apply to these people? You see? And Moses didn't give up. Remember, there's always hope. There's always hope. I mean, you put, I say put yourself in Moses' sandals, but, you know, don't forget Joshua's there too. 
when all the camp of Israel was defiled. Moses and Joshua, they were clean before the Lord. You see, who has despised the day of small things? It's just two people. Look at what the Lord did with just two people. Now, the Lord cleaned house, but, you know, when the Lord cleans house and the Lord cleans house, you know, by his own means, but he also uses the means of his vessels. You know, like the Lord cleans cleaned house in Corinth and he did it using vessel Chloe and vessel Paul. You see, the Lord cleans house. When the Lord cleans house by himself, I mean, <laughs> those are scary moments. I mean, that's like straight up, you know, like judgment, like straight up like hellfire damnation. Well, not hellfire damnation. That's more lake of fire. But a whole lot of, you know, terrifying things when the Lord makes himself known and he starts light. I mean, look at Egypt. You look at Egypt and you look at like, you know, when the sea closed up and destroyed the might of Egypt and the armies of Egypt. And it's like, okay, like, whoa, the Lord made himself known. And when the Lord handles business, he handles business. And don't, don't, like, he made himself known. Remember, Egypt was like the might of earth. They referred to Pharaoh as God on earth. And then, but you figure, okay, the Lord made himself known in a mighty, mighty way. But you hit the rewind button and turn the water red. You see, you hit the rewind button, turn the water red. Then the frogs and then the hail. You see, incrementally, the Lord makes himself known. And that's what's going to be. You say, oh, OK, that's in the history books, you know, no big deal. Well, no, 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 no. Hold the phone there, my friend. These things are going to happen again. When you read the book of Revelation, when you understand the prophecies, these things are going to happen again. When the Lord makes himself known, I mean, it's going to be like palpable, like, you know, with Armageddon. It's going to be like, whoa. But you hit the rewind button from, from Armageddon, which for us at this particular juncture in the year 2022, that's a future event. But in the future event of Armageddon, you hit the rewind button from there and incrementally the Lord's going to make himself known. I mean, I've had conversation with non-believers and they're like, wow, this world is crazy. It's going crazy. It's like, well, okay, I know it's crazy and you see that too. But do you know that this is Bible prophecy, my friend? Do you know that, that, that strong delusion is, is, is prophesied? It's just like, you know, the, like the frogs. It's like, you know, the Lord made himself known with Egypt. It's like, oh my goodness, like, you know, the, the, the water closing and the, the might of Egypt destroyed. And that's major. But you hit the rewind button and say, look at the frogs. You see? And incrementally, the Lord's going to make himself known. And those with ears to hear, they're going to hear and they're going to see. And they're going to realize. Don't forget, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who says, I tell you these things before they happen. That's what Jesus says. I tell you these things before they happen so that when they happen, you might believe. I mean, I've had conversations with atheists, like like entrenched atheists, hardcore atheists. Oh, you know, like a year ago, well, the Bible is a book of fairy tales. But like today, you know, they reach out to me. It's like, you know, I remember what you said. And <laughs> there's a little something to what you're saying. You see, incrementally, the Lord is making himself known. And incrementally, people are starting to see and realize 
Not everybody. You know, I, I wish that it was everybody. But remember, Satan is a fisherman too, and Satan has his strongholds. And that's not to say that we shy away from those things. It's just to understand that the saint must be deadly in these last days. The good deadly. Remember the example we gave where you have like, you know, a baby believer and the baby you have like toddler believer, you know, little, you know, young believer, adolescent believer, adult believer, mature believer. And people think, okay, I'm a mature believer. So that's it. No, 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 no. The next echelon is straight up the deadly believer. The deadly believer. I'm talking about deadly like Paul, like Chloe, like Timothy. You know, I'm talking about straight up deadly. That's like the next echelon. You see? Remember the demons when they're like, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who in the world are you? You see, Paul was deadly and the demons knew. You know, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who in the world are you? You see? And so we look at these chapters, Joshua 21. I mean, we could be done in five minutes. We could be done in you know, maybe 11 minutes. We could be, you know, just... We look at these cities, but when you understand, when you make these distinctions and you understand the depth of the fulfillment of these promises that God has, you know, for Moses, you know, the, the only two undefiled, Moses and Joshua, you see, Moses and Joshua, and jo Moses was included in that first generation. So now you have the second generation, Joshua, and he's, him and, and Caleb, they're the only ones that are present in the promised land. Joshua and Caleb. And you put yourself in Caleb's sandals at this particular juncture in Joshua 21. And you put him in, 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 and you put yourself in Joshua's sandals. And oh my goodness, what the Lord has done. What the Lord has done. Imagine him and Moses coming down the mountain. Little slip here, Joshua, younger Joshua, you know, young, stepping, strong Joshua. And he's helping, you know, you know, old man Moses. And Moses wasn't a spring chicken, but he wasn't like a frail old man either. either. You know, he, 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 he was empowered by the Lord. So he wasn't a spring chicken, but he wasn't like, you know, a fray, you know, needing like a wheelchair to get down. And so they're coming down the mountain. Picture, picture Moses and Joshua coming down and young strapping Joshua, you know, helping him. You know, he's got the strong legs, the strong back, the strong arm. And he's younger and he's just helping old man Moses come down the mountain. And picture the, put yourself in Joshua's sandals. When the two, Moses and Joshua, when they see the sex, the orgies, the nakedness, the parties, the revelries, and the golden calf, and the worship of the golden calf. And then you take from that moment to here, to this moment in Joshua's sandals. Oh my goodness. I mean, this is, this is post calf. This is post wilderness. This is post passage into the promised land. This is hardcore. And so sometimes when, you know, you, you hear some pastors and they just like gloss over these, the, the, these very beautiful, deep, aspects of the old testament and not just the old testament but just these deep passages period there's a lot baked into the cake here a lot but the remnant the remnant understands these things because the remnant peers deeper you see so we look at verse one in this inheritance and in verse 1 here, Joshua 21, verse 1. 
And we see here the heads of the fathers, the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites, of the Levites. Now remember, this is this is the priesthood now. And the, the, the commands given to Moses was that, you know, there was an inheritance for the people, but there was like the exclusion of the Levites. Now, it's not to say that the Lord forgot about the Levites, but a portion, the, the, the portion for the Levites was from the tribes, you see. And so look what happens here in verse one. The, the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came near to Eliezer, the priest. And so, you know, we see Eliezer here, he's high priest. He had two older brothers, Nadab and Abihu, but they were killed. They, they died. The Lord killed them. Why? Because they offered strange fire to the Lord. They were kind of playing games with the Lord. The Lord had his very specific blueprints and they were just kind of like willy nilly treating holy things like it's a small thing. And the Lord saw their hearts and says, okay, you want to do the strange fire? I'm going to kill you by fire. And that's what happens. And a lot of times pastors get in trouble because they treat church like it's a family business, like they're, they're, they're like they're running a like a, a, a shoe factory. You know, you have the business owner, like CEO of the company is like a guy and, you know, it's a shoe company. They, they make shoes and they distribute shoes all around the world and they just figure, OK, well, you know, my, my, my son's going to, you know, he's successor. I'm going to die. My son, it's like a family business. You know, the son's the, the dad's going to die. The son's going to serve here. The daughter's going to serve here. The daughter might be CEO. And the daughter might be the next CEO. The son might be the next treasurer. Then they, and and that's that's how family businesses operate. You see, that's how family businesses operate according to the flesh. And pastors get in trouble because they treat church like it's a family business. You have a pastor. And then they say, well, you know, I have a son, I have a daughter, and my son is young, so I'd have an older daughter, you know, well, you know, a younger, well, the daughter, but she's older than the son. And so they start to make little, like, little loopholes, create little loopholes that are unbiblical. They say they treat the church like it's a family business. So you have a pastor who says, well, you know, I'm going to retire now. You know, I'm going to retire now. Like there was limitations on, you know, God calls a guy to be a pastor, but it's only until age, you know, 65. At age 65, boom, you know, retire and go, you know, go, go to the Virgin Islands, you know. Speaking carnally, but that's what pastors do. They treat church like it's just business, run of the mill business. And then the pastor says, well, I'm getting old. You know, my, my son, he's only, you know, uh, 17. He's only 18. He's got to go to a seminary, what we call cemetery now. He's got to go to cemetery. He's got to get his master's in theology. But my daughter, she's done all that. She's gone to seminary. She's got her degree in theology. She got her master's in theology. And she's like 28 years old. So I'm going to make her the next pastor. It's like, well, wait a second. That's not the biblical formula. Female pastor, females aren't supposed to have authority over the male. You see? Cannot have authority, or, biblically speaking. Now, if you're listening for the first time, I know it's like, well, this, this guy's male chauvinist. No, it's in the Bible. Listen to our studies, the pastoral epistles. You'll understand more. It's not to be mean-spirited or mean, but when you under, remember, it's you and me that yields to the Lord and the Word of God, and there's a helper, the Holy Spirit. And when you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help you. You see? Don't forget, it's possible to believe without the Holy Spirit. Don't forget our study in Acts 8. It's entirely possible, possible to believe and be baptized in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. It happened in Acts 8. It's happening today. 
So you have these pastors, they treat church like it's a family business. Oh, you know, look, I'm a holy guy, and so I'm going to retire. I'm going to go into the vertical fishing in the Virgin Islands. I'm 65 years old. And they treat church like it's a business. Like, they, like the, the Lord says, oh, you know, calls a guy to be a pastor. The Lord calls a guy to be a pastor, and there's an expiration date. No, you can be a pastor, but to your, you know, only to your age 65. I like the Paul model. I like the Paul model where he's an old guy and he's still preaching. He's still exhorting. You see? But people today, the pastors today, they treat church like business. And for succession, it's always family. Biblically, the next successor should be holy. Holy. I mean, you look at the, 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 the requirements for you, the book of Acts. You look at the requirement for serving in tables. I'm not that that's a menial thing. You know, I, I almost said, you know, just for just serving in tables. It's not a menial thing. But you look at the, you, you look at the requirements for just serving in tables and, you know, not to, not to speak, you know, in a, in a negative way towards serving in tables, like it's a menial task. But the qualifications for serving in tables, biblically, that's a big deal, a huge deal. And pastors today, one side of me wants to say they've forgotten, but if you're a pastor, pastors are without excuse, you see? For holiness to exist in a church, in a fellowship, in a body, in a sanctuary, there's very specific blueprints. Very specific blueprints. You see? And so we see Eleazar. He's the high priest. He had his two older brothers, Nadaba and Abihu, but they offered strange fire. They just thought, thought okay, yeah, we're just going to go through the motion, you know. Aaron is our dad. And so we're just going to, you know, do this. And okay, a little fire here, a little fire there. And the Lord sees the heart. He says, okay. You want to treat this willy-nilly? Okay. You want to offer the straight fire, strange fire? Okay. Now, I'm going to kill you with the fire. And that's exactly what he did. You see? And so now you have Eleazar, the high priest. In verse 1, they, 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 these heads of the fathers of the houses of the Levites, they came to Eleazar, the priest, to Joshua, the son of Nun, into the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribe of the children of Israel. Verse 2. And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in with their common lands for our livestock. Now, remember, the Lord gave, gave instruction to Moses. And the instruction that the Lord gave to Moses is what Moses gave to Joshua. Now, when the Lord speaks to Joshua, there's no differentiation. You see, the same, the same Lord that spoke to Moses is the same Lord that speaks to Joshua. It's the same Lord that Eleazar is, is, is in terms of high priest that he speaks to at the mercy seat. Same Lord, same spirit, same, you see, unity. But it's biblical unity. It's not unity like, you know, like there is such a thing as unity in division, unity in something that is wrong. I mean, you look at like, you know, modern day uh, Episcopals and Lutherans, you know, they all cry out unity, 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 and they fight for unity, 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 and they have unity, unity, unity. But you look at the Bible, you look at their, how their, their conduct, well, that's, they might have unity, but 
It's not unity with the word of God. You see? And so we see here in verse 2, And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in with their common lands for our livestock. So the children of Israel gave to the Levites from their inheritance. Remember, the portion for the priesthood. It's from the people. Now, remember, there's a lot of room for corruption. A lot of room for corruption. Yes, but at the same time, you know, you hear us say that there's a lot of room for corruption. And, you know, that's not said to scare or, you know, instill shame, but only to be aware, to have this level of awareness because there's a lot of room for corruption, yes, but there's a lot of room for obedience too. A lot of room for obedience too. Now, balls in your court, you see? I mean, you look at Eliezer, the high priest. I mean, Nadab, he made his choice. Abihu, he made his choice. Eleazar, he made his choice. Didn't turn out so well for Nadab and Abihu because they made their choice, but they chose wrong. Eleazar, he made his choice. And he's alive. You see? Praise be to the Lord. I mean, God doesn't make robots. And so we see here in verse 3 that they gave to the Levites from their inheritance at the commandment of the Lord these cities and their common lands. Verse 4, Now the lot came out for the families of the Kohathites and the children of Aaron the priest who were of the Levites had 13 cities by lot from the tribe of Judah, from the tribe of Simeon, and from the tribe of Benjamin. The rest of the children of Kohath had 10 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Ephraim, from the tribe of Dan and from the tribe for, and from half from the half tribe of Manasseh and the children of Gershon had 13 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Issachar from the tribe of Asher from the tribe of Naphtali and from the half tribe of Manasseh in Bashan the children of Merari according to their families had 12 cities from the tribe of Reuben from the tribe of Gad and from the tribe of Zebulun and the children of Israel gave these cities with their common lands by lot to the Levites, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. So they gave from the tribe of the children of Judah and from the tribe of the children of Simeon these cities which are designated by name, which were for the children of Aaron, one of the families of the Kohathites, who were of the children of Levi, for the lot was theirs first. In verse 11. And they gave them Kirjath Arba. Arba was the father of Anak, which is Hebron in the mountains of Judah, with the common land surrounding it. You see, so we go through these studies and we look at these studies and we go through these towns and we the names of these towns. And sometimes when you know you hear studies or maybe even in your own personal studies, you just gloss over it like, okay, you know, I got my chapter in for the day. But with the knowledge of prior study. And understand, and when you put yourself in Joshua's sandals, and remember, Joshua is witness to the golden calf. He's witness to the revelries and the sex and the lewdness and the, 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 the nakedness. He's, he's witness to all of that. And yet, to see the faithfulness of the Lord, to get through that, 
with mercy, with grace, with love. You know, a little tap-tap, you know. I mean, in some cases, a lot of tap-tap. But you put yourself in Joshua's sandals, who was, at a younger age, witness to wickedness. And to get to this point, now he's older, to get to this point, it's, it's, it's almost unfathomable. I have a hard time saying that. It's, it's almost unfathomable. It's difficult to understand. It's, it's difficult to, it's not difficult, but it's difficult. It's difficult, like, you know, like, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. But it's not difficult because it's like, how can I not believe it? Because we know that God is so good. He's so wonderful. He's so marvelous. He's so, he's so beautiful. He's so wonderful. He's so pure. He's so holy. And you put yourself in Joshua's sandals and he's witness to this inheritance. He's when at this time he's witness to the inheritance, the fulfillment of God's promises unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to Joshua, to the children of Israel. And God is showing himself faithful, but you have to have eyes to see. You have to have eyes to see and ears to hear and understand the richness and the beauties of our Lord. Joshua had it. Hannah had it. Samuel had it. You see, the remnant has it. The wise virgins have it. Foolish ones, they don't got it. You see, and the Lord knows those who are his. In verse 12, but the fields of the city and its villages, the fields of the city and its villages, they gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as, Jephunneh as his possession. You see, fields, fields for Caleb, I like that. <laughs> I mean, you listen to our New Testament studies, you know, the, uh, the studies, uh, 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 you know, there's a, a special area and you go to thewayunderground.com. You go to the area about, you know, growing and maturing in Christ. You listen to those studies and you know why I like that the fields are for Caleb, especially when you see that Caleb is a type of Holy Spirit. Don't forget that first generation. The only two of that first generation that passes in the promised land is uh, uh, Joshua and uh, 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 Caleb, a type of Christ and a type of spirit, Holy Spirit, passage into the promised land. You see, the fields for Caleb. And so we see here in verse 13, Thus to the children of Aaron the priest, they gave Hebron with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer. Libna with its common land. Now for the slayer, we just studied that, you know, last week when we look at, you know, the uh, uh, city of refuge. And so we see here in verse 13, Libna with its common land, Jatir with its common land, Eshtemoa with its common land, Holon with its common land, Eshtemoa with its common land, Holon with its common land, Debir with its common land, Ain with its common land, Juta with its common land, and Beth Shemesh, Beth Shemesh with its common land. Nine cities from those two tribes. And from the tribe of Jem, uh, Benjamin, Gibeon with its common land, Geba with its common land. 
Anathoth with its common land and Almon with its common land. Four cities. <clears throat> In verse 19, And the cities of the children of Aaron the priests were 13 cities with their common lands. And the families of the children of Kohath, the Levites, the rest of the children of Kohath, even they had the cities of their lot from the tribe of Ephraim. For they gave them Shechem with its common land in the mountains of Ephraim, a city of refuge for the slayer, Geser with its common land, Gebzaim with its common land, and Beth Haron with its common land, four cities, and from the tribe of Dan, from the tribe of Dan, uh, Elteka with its common land, Gibethon with its common land, Aijalon with its common land, and Gath Rimon with its common land, four cities. Verse 25. And from the half-tribe of Manasseh, Tanakh with its common land, and Gathrimon with its common land, two cities. All the ten cities with their common lands were for the rest of the families of the children of Kohath. Also to the children of Gershon, of the families of the Levites, from the other half-tribe of Manasseh, they gave Golan in Bashan with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer, and Be'eshterah with its common land, two cities. And from the tribe of Issachar, Kishion with its common land, uh, Daberath with its common land, Jarmuth with its common land, and En-Ganim with its common land, four cities. And from the tribe of Asher, Mishal with its common land, Abdon with its common land, Helkath with its common land, and Rehob with its common land, four cities. And from the tribe of Naphtali, Kadesh in Galilee with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer. Hamoth Dor with its common land and Kartan with its common land, three cities. All the cities of the Gershonites, according to the families, were 13 cities with their common lands. And to the families of the children of Marari, the rest of the Levites from the tribe of Zebulun, Jokneam with its common land, Karta with its common land, Dimna with its common land, and Nahalal with its common land, four cities. And from the tribe of Reuben, Beser with its common land, Jahaz with its common land, Kedemoth with its common land, and Mephath with its common land, four cities. And from the tribe of Gad, Ramoth and Gilead with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer, Mahanaim with its common land, verse 31, Heshbon with its common land, and Jaser with its common land, four cities in all. Verse 40, so all the cities for the children of Merari, according to their families, the rest of the families of the Levites were by their lot, 12 cities. All the cities of the Levites with their with, within the possession of the children of Israel were 48 cities with their common lands. Now, these are, these are cities that were, you know, we, we, we've already seen some of them already, but we're going to see more of them in the future, in our future studies in the Old Testament. Not all of them, but, you know, we're going to see like, you know, like what happens in these cities, within these cities. And, you know, you're going to see, I hate to say it, but we will see the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, we've already seen the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, if you if you've been walking with us for a while, some of, I mean, just like you know, remember our stay when you know Moses and Joshua they come down the mountain and they see the the golden calf and the sacks and the you know the rock and roll and whole nine yards. It's 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 that's those, those are ugly moments, ugly moments. Very difficult to study through. Very difficult to read through. Very difficult to understand, but also very beautiful to see the faithfulness of our Lord and how He works. And how he has placed in position 
a priesthood to clean. A priesthood to clean. Like, yes, there's going to be the filth. Yes, there's going to be the yuck and the nast. And we're going to see that. But you're also going to see a priesthood where, okay, let's get you cleaned up. And where it's really sad is when you're going to see the yuck and the nast among the people. And that becomes endemic and spreads into the priesthood. And sometimes it's vice versa, where you see the yuck and the nast of the priesthood and it spreads to the people. And we will see these things. I mean, what's so powerful is, yes, there's the goodness of the Lord. I mean, not to gloss over that. I mean, that's like, you know, paramount. That's the goodness of the Lord is we rejoice in that. But in the law, the Lord says that he's, he's going to speak to the people and he speaks to the people through the high priest. But then you hit the fast forward button and you get to the account of Eli, the high priest. And yet the Lord was silent. You see, why is it? Why is it that the Lord says, you know, I'm going to speak to the high priest. But when you have a high priest, the Lord is silent. You know, did the Lord change his mind? No. Because in Eli, the formula was wrong. And when the formula is wrong, he's not on the right frequency. And he's not on the right frequency. He's in crazy town. And you look at the fruit, the kids, his sons were in crazy town. You see? And that's why we understand formula. Don't forget our letter, our studies through the pastoral epistles, those letters that Paul wrote to the, to the pastors. I mean, I mean, if you were to write a letter, say you have a, a friend named, uh, I don't know, um, uh, Mark. Say you have a friend named Mark. Or you have a girlfriend named, I mean, you're female and you're a friend, a girlfriend. I don't mean like your girlfriend, but I'm talking about a friend that's female. Say, so say, you know, you have a friend named Mark or you have a friend named, uh, Josephine, you know, and it's like, you know, you, you write, you know, dear Mark, and you say what you got to say, you know, sincerely, and you put your name there or, you know, your best friend and you put your friend or, you know, I love you and you put your name. Or you write, you know, dear Josephine, and you say your spiel, and it's like, not a spiel, but I mean, you say what you got to say, you know, you pour out your heart to Josephine, you pour out, you say, you know, sincerely, or I love you, or, you know, XOXOXO, and, you know, sign your name, you know, I love you a lot, I miss you, this, and, okay, and then you sign your name. Well, that letter's for Mark, that letter's for Josephine, you see, I mean, it's not for anybody else, that's Mark's letter, this is Josephine's letter, that's, and so that's what Paul did to the pastors. You know, dear Timothy, dear Titus, and uh, 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 dear Philemon. But why is it that these letters were leaked? <laughs> why is it that these letters were leaked? Why is it that they're captured in the canon of Scripture? I'll tell you why. Because God, who loves you, He wants you to know. He wants us to know. All about this holy recipe and holy formula. Because when the Bible says, hey, you know, submit to your pastor because they watch out for your soul. Now, a godly pastor isn't going to say, hey, you got to submit to me. So, you know, you know, wash my car. Hey, you got to submit to me. So, you know, clean my house. Hey, you got to submit to me. So, you know, clean my toilets. You know, a a, a godly man isn't going to say that. But a godly pastor might tell you like, you know, hey. You're done with the crack pipe. 
You know, hey, you don't, you don't, you, you, you don't, he's going to call you on certain things. He's going to teach you. He's going to train you, but he's also going to call you. I mean, picture a physical trainer, you know, like you have a, a, say you're chubby, you know, you got the love handles, you know, you just get a little, you know, not, not, not saying that there's anything, you know, inherently bad about that. Just say you get a little chubby and you notice you're a little chubby and you're like, you know what? I, I think I, I think I want to get fit. And so, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a therapy. You're not going to, you know, pick a, a 500 pound guy who's going to be your physical trainer or, you know, your female. You're not going to pick, you know, a, 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 a 400 pound female who's going to tra- be your trainer. You see, I'm not, I'm not suggesting here past, uh, female pastors. I'm just saying, you know, like teacher female. Pastors, elders, always male, always male. Coverings in the Bible, always male. With the exception of, you know, a covering of a mother unto her son. That's, Female, like you, you see in uh, 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 Eunice and Lois, you see female coverings. The next generation of pastoral leadership. So you know you 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 you're, you're a little chubby. You want to get fit, and you're gonna go to the fit guy. Hey, teach me how to be fit. Train me. Be my my personal trainer. And he's going to teach you how to be fit. Start slow. Be very fair. He's not going to be like, you know, work you to the ground to where you're like, you you, you want to die because you're, he's working you so hard. No, he's going to be nice and fair. Let's go for a little walk. Let's go for a little walk. We're going to, you know, have our waters with us. Let's go for a little walk. We're going to talk and, you know, we're going to have some laughs and, you know, we're going to go up this hill. It's just a little hill and it's not going to be, it's not going to be too hard, but we're going to go up this hill and it might be difficult at first, but you know, um, we can stop. We're gonna, we can stop, drink some water, but we're going to keep going over this hill. You see? And so, you know, slowly but surely you're going to start to like, you know, the, the flabs are going to go away. The little flabbies, it's going to go away. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, okay, now we've done this. Now we're going to do the bigger hill. You see, we're going to do the bigger. Now we're, you know, in the course of time, it's like now we're doing, you know, we're straight up like running up mountains. You see, and the whole time, you know, the personal trainer, you know, like, listen, you know, I know you like the pizza, but, you know, we got to cut down on the pizza. You see, and that's what a pastor's going to do. He's the pastor's not going to say, hey, submit to me and go clean my toilets. Hey, submit to me and, you know, go, go, go wash my car. No, a godly pastor, hey, you know, for number one, a godly, a godly man isn't going to say, hey, you got to submit to me. They're not going to lord over you. But you will see and you will learn. When the Bible, when the Lord leaked these pastoral epistles, the Lord wants us to see what these biblical qualifications are so that you and me can know that it's safe to submit to Philemon. It's safe to submit to Titus. It's safe to submit to Timothy. You see, it's safe to do that. Where you and me, I mean, they say like a brand new believer and you don't know a lot about, you You believe in Jesus Christ, you love him and you, you're a Christian, but you're a baby Christian. Or, you know, say you're mature, but there's another guy, the other guy, the other lady, you know, they're baby Christians, okay? And so they don't know a lot about the Lord, but because they know about the qualifications for pastor, the formula, full package, they know that, yeah, I don't know a lot about the Lord, but I know it's safe to submit to Philemon. Because he's going to teach me. And he fears the Lord himself. And he cares for my soul. You see? A, a, a young Christian can know, listen, you know, I know a little bit about the Bible, but I don't know the nitty gritty. I don't know like the depths of the Bible, but I know it's safe to submit to Titus because he's going to watch out for my soul. He's going to teach me and show me these things. And yes, we're going to walk up the little hill. 
and I'm going to get more stronger and we're going to walk up, you know, in the course of time, we're going to walk up a bigger hill. And in the course of time, we're going to walk up, even up the bigger hill. And I'm going to want, you know, a little greasy pizza from now and then, from time to time. But he's going to say, no, no greasy pizza. You see, I'm likening it to the personal trainer and that greasy pizza. Remember Satan, he's a fisherman. He's not going to, he's, he lures with the candy. You see? And Titus, who's watching out for our soul, he's going to say, hey, listen, when, you know, the girl gives you a phone call, just hang up. When the guy gives you a phone call and wants to do the crack, hey, just hang up. And you see, and you and me, we know like, wow, it's safe to submit to Titus because he's watching out for our souls. He knows that he's going to give an account to the Lord. And so in the course of time, we submit to Titus. Okay, Titus, you know, you know, you, you, you don't want me to, you don't want that girl, you don't want me to talk to that girl. Hey, Titus, you don't want me to talk to, you know, my old friend who's a crackhead. You don't want me to hang out to my old friend who wants to go to the strippers. And so, okay, Titus, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I'm going to submit to you. And I'm going to heed what you say. And I'm, you know, she calls. I'm just going to say, hey, listen, you know, invite you to church. But, you know, sorry, I can't do that. The guy calls, hey, you know, sorry, I'm not down with that. You know, come with me to church. We meet at this time and this is where it is. Come with me to church. And see, you're submitting to Titus. And then in the course of time, you're going to go up hills and the hills are going to get steeper and steeper. You're getting stronger. And then you're going to see and you're going to realize, boom. Oh, I get it now. That's why Titus, that's why Pastor Titus told me to not talk with this girl. That's why Pastor Titus told me to not talk with this kid, this guy who wants me to do the crack. That's why Titus told me not to do this because now as you grow and mature, you understand. Oh, that's why. I didn't realize it at the time, but Titus was watching out for my soul. He knew that Satan is a fisherman and he knew that that girl was the lure. He knew that that guy was the lure. He knew that the other guy was a lure. And at the time, I didn't understand it. Titus knew it, and but it was safe for me to submit myself to Titus. Titus didn't say, hey, clean my toilets. You got to submit to me. Hey, wash my car. You got to submit to me. No, he didn't even say you got to submit to me. We personally chose. I'm going to submit myself to Titus. You see? And so these personal letters will, Paul, you know, just like you wrote, you know, dear Mark, you know, dear Josephine, very personal. That's, you know, that's for Mark and that's for, that's for Josephine. Very, very personal letters, you know, sincerely, or, you know, I miss you. I love you. XOXO, you know, and not like, you know, the, the, the carnal XOXO. I mean, you know, like back in the day, you know, back in the day, you know, when you'd say like XOXO, it didn't mean anything crazy. Nowadays it's crazy. So maybe not the XOXO. Well, you know, we're people of faith. So XOXO, but nothing crazy. You know, I love you. You know, I, I miss you, Josephine, miss you. Mark, miss you. Okay, that's one-on-one -on -one letter. That's for Mark. That's for Josephine. And that's what Paul did. You know, this is for Timothy. This is for Titus. This is for, for Philemon. So why is it that, you know, it's, it, it's like in every single Bible, every single Bible in, in production, every single Bible that's been printed, every single Bible, why is it that these these letters are captured in the canon of Scripture, and it's because the Lord, He wants us to know all about the formula. Because when the Bible says, like in, in Hebrews, you know, submit to the pastor because they watch out for your soul. He wants you and me to know, okay, what are the qualifications? What are the qualifications? Because today... You cannot submit to just any pastor. 
You cannot, you must not submit to just any pastor. You see? But when you look at, you understand the pastoral epistles. And you know, you can listen to these studies in the pastoral epistles. Thewayunderground.com Everything is captured there. Everything is archived there. And when you understand these pastoral epistles and you know what the qualifications are, not package one, not package two, not package three, we're talking full package. And you know, just like in Titus, it's safe to submit to Titus. It's safe to submit to Timothy. It's safe to submit to Philemon. Philemon was a little green. He was learning. You see? But it's safe to submit to Philemon nonetheless. You see? And it's so beautiful. Because that's how the next generation of righteousness is taught. Today, you can't just submit to anybody. You have to understand the formula. You have to understand the package deal, full package. Because when you have that, you know this guy's the real deal. And they don't boast about it. These aren't people that, you know, walk around, oh, I'm, 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 I'm the package deal, I'm the real deal. No, they don't, that, 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 that's non-existent. But you'll know. How? By the fruit. Look at the fruit. Understand the formula. You see? And it's powerful because that's how... That's how the next generation of righteousness is taught. I mean, it's one of the ways. They, I mean, it's, it's a big way, but it's one of the ways. I say one of the ways because parents, parents teaching and training the next generation of righteousness. You see? And parents teach by example. You see, don't forget the millstone. If you're a parent, don't forget the millstone. And I don't say that to like, you know, freak you out. But, you know, little side note, I, I kind of do say it to freak you out. Because it is kind of freaky, you know, Millstone. Jesus Christ, you know, offers the alternative to anybody who makes a little one stumble. He offers the alternative. What's the alternative? A Millstone. You see? Because he's he's very serious. When it comes to the next generation of righteousness, he's very serious. And if you're a parent, be serious. Don't be willy-nilly. The Bible is full of examples of willy-nilly, and it doesn't turn out so good for them. But the Bible has examples of not willy-nilly. The faithful. Be like that. You see? Be like that. The remnant. And so all of a sudden, we look at verse 41 here. All the cities of the Levites within the possession of the children of Israel were 48 cities with their common lands. Every one of these cities had its common land surrounding it. Thus were all these cities. And I love how this chapter closes so much. I'm so in love. I mean, I love it all. But I mean, like, this is just like, boom, just like, look at verse 43. So the Lord gave to Israel, you know, Carnally speaking, carnally speaking, I mean, if, if, if we were to get in a time machine, and you and me, we get in a time machine, we go back in time, and we were to see what's happening. We were to see the, 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 the uh, you see the people, and this is post-war. They're casting lots. They're dividing the land. And if we were to see that, bear witness to it. Not to say that it's no big deal, but I mean, we would see it and be like, okay, you know, they're, you have a group of people here, and you know, I heard that they had their war, and so they're casting lots. They're dividing. We you know why they're casting lots. Somebody says, "Well, they're dividing the land." Okay, so nice little gathering here, and they're doing these things, and completely understandable. But spiritually speaking, it's much, much deeper. So much deeper because we see fulfillment. Now, if we were to get in the time machine and go back further to like Abraham, God's promises to Abraham, 
you know, we would understand like, oh my goodness, the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. We get back in the time machine, go a little bit in the future. God's promises to Isaac. You see, we go back in the time machine, we go in the future and we see Jacob, God's promises to Jacob. And it's like, oh my goodness, we are in the age and the time of fulfillment. What's happening here with this gathering here in Joshua 21. You see? And, you know, you, 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 I mean, we're in the time machine. And so we go back to, you know, we, we, the, we, we go back to the time of Jacob's kids when they're younger and single. The hate they had for Joseph, who's sold into slavery. Terrible, terrible moments. Terrible moments. But how God used all of that for good. You see, it's something... It's something only he could do. God used that for good. The harm brought to Joseph, it was used for good. Now, in the heat of the moment, I mean, we, we, we have the, we're so spoiled now because we have the full counsel of the word of God. I don't want to say like that's a bad thing. It's a very beautiful thing, but we're so spoiled. We're so spoiled because, you know, Genesis to Revelation, it's like at our fingertips. I mean, sometimes people have their Bibles on, you know, they have apps for Bibles and it's like, you know, boom, fingertips. You hit this, you know, you can speak this. It's, you know, you, you speak this and boom, you got it right there. You, you, we're so spoiled now. Back in the day, all of these things were captured in scrolls and not everybody could read the scrolls. You see, we're so spoiled now. But what's so beautiful about this day and age is that we do have the full counsel of the word of God. And in the heat of the moment, when you look at Joseph in prison, I mean, he's, he's with the down and dirty. Treated unfairly by his brothers, treated unfairly by Potiphar's wife. And here he is in prison. Paying the price for something he he wasn't guilty of. And yet paying the price. And from there, exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh. And we see Joseph as a type of Christ. You see, how God used that for good. And now look, in Joshua 21, here we are, fulfillment. Fulfillment of something far greater than I can see or mind comprehend. And yet with eyes of faith and ears of faith and a mind of faith, here we are. Here we are. In verse 43, so the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he swore, he had sworn to give to their fathers and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. You see? And you know, it's God's promises are more sure than anything. There's promise for us, yes, but what about the promises for the next generation? Who is it that fights and endures to, to that end? Who is it that fights the good fight of faith? And who endures all the way to the end. Not endures for a day. Not endures for a week. Not endures for a year. Endures to the very end. To our last dying breath. And I don't say this to shame. I don't say this to, 
you know, bring harm or make anybody feel bad. But with Israel, the people forget. We're going to see that. I mean, we're, we're coming to the end of Joshua. And we're going to see the generation. When, when Joshua dies and the elders die, it doesn't go so well for Israel. You know why? Because they forget. But not so with the remnant. There is a remnant that remembers the Lord and honors the Lord. The remnant remembers, the remnant stands firm in God's promises, even when the effectuation of promises is for the next generation. I mean, you, you look at like Abraham and the effectuation of promises under Abraham where, you know, there was a, there, 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 there you know, the, the extent of Abraham's life, you know, it didn't, doesn't span, carnally speaking, you know, it, it doesn't span here. I mean, Joseph has died, you know, Moses has died, Aaron has died, and yet you see effectuation of promises for the next generation. It's beautiful. I'll give you an example of the immigrant. Look at the immigrant. I mean, carnally speaking, we have these examples in immigrants. The immigrant who comes to a new country and has left poverty and danger and harm and doesn't speak the language of the new country that he or she is in. We'll use a female. Doesn't speak the language of that new country. And yet she's left poverty and danger in her home country. And in this new country, in this new land, she toils. There's hard living. She has to, there's the learning curve of learning the, the language and working, but this is something that her children and grandchildren never taste. Her, her grandchildren and children, her children and grandchildren, they never taste what she knew. They never experienced the hardships in the old country. That's something that the matriarch, she left. She lived sacrificially. Yes, at the time there were good things for her, but greater things were for her kids and grandkids. Now, when the Kids and grandkids don't realize this sacrifice. They don't, it's not valued or it's undervalued. Sometimes it's not valued at all. And when that happens, they tend to forget. And when they forget, it doesn't turn out so well for that generation that does forget. And we use this example in immigration scenario, but this is exactly what we see with the next generation of Israel. You see a generation that forgets. Sacrifices made in one generation, but sacrifices forgotten in the next generation. You see sacrifices of, of the people, yes, but then at the same time, promises of the Lord. When the love of the, remember the, 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 how the law, there, there, there's like doorways with the law where a person can learn to fear the Lord and trust the Lord and love the Lord. But when those things are forgotten, there's no love of the Lord, there's no trust in the Lord, and there's no fear of the Lord. And if there's no fear of the Lord, that's when people start to worship the Baals, the Asherahs, the Moleks. And that's exactly what happens. Because it's like, you know, say you and me, we're a little chubby. And it's like, okay, we're chubby. We acknowledge our chubbiness. And it's like, okay, we want a, 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 a personal trainer. And so we get a personal trainer. And so we have a personal trainer. We get super fit. And so we're super fit and all these things. And then, you know, the personal trainer was always there with us. And then say, okay, you know, see you later, personal trainer. We're done with you. 
And in the course of time, we start to get chubby again. You see? And, you know, I, I use weight, for example. I'm not, not, you know, if you're chubby, you know, praise be to the Lord. You know, there's, you know, pra- praise be to the Lord. I'm not, this isn't any type of shame or anything like that. But we use these examples, like, you know, personal trainer, because there's sacrifices involved. But when those things are forgotten, all of a sudden, look what happens. Look what happens. In the example we gave, that you and me, we start to get chubby again. Why? Because the personal trainer, he's not there. And that's what happens in the case of Israel. Joshua, the elders, those were godly people, godly men, godly leadership. Leadership matters. And when they die... Yes, Israel, they have people to fill those positions. I mean, positionally speaking, I mean, if we're just speaking about a slot, you know, where there's a position available and yes, we got to fill the slot. If if we're speaking in terms of filling the slots, yes, we fill the slots. But leadership matters. Formula matters. Recipe matters. Under the leadership of Joshua, under the leadership of Joshua and the elders, so beautiful. Because it's not just that those positions were, were, were filled. The slot was filled. No, those slots were filled with people when the formula is right. Full package formula. And it's good for Israel. But when they die, Joshua, that next jet, that Joshua and, and, and the elders, when they die, there's people that fills the slots. They're still the, the elders. But when the formula's wrong, when the formula is wrong, it, it, it doesn't turn out so well with Israel. That's when we enter harlotry. You see? That's when we enter the forsaking of the Lord. You see? It's sad. I mean, I, you know, I, I love it when we study the Bible and it's like, wow, you know, we, we feel like, uh, you know, so beautiful and blessed. But, you know, so to, 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 to say these things, I don't want to hurt anybody in saying these things, but it's what we're going to see. It's kind of like preparation for what we're going to see. And it's going to break your heart. It breaks my heart. You see, but when you understand the formula and you understand that God is reactionary, he responds to holiness he responds to obedience he responds to wickedness and he also beautifully 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 responds to repentance repentance and the lord you know he uses these he says in the law that he's going to speak to the people through the high priest but why is it that the lord is silent when you have eli the high priest why is it that the lord is silent well the formula is wrong in eli and so, okay, the Lord can't work with the, 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 the priests, so okay, now he works with the prophets. Jeremiah, Isaiah, you see, Amos. I love Amos. I'm so in love with Amos. Amos, you know, he's, he says, you know, I'm no prophet nor the son of the prophet. I'm no prophet nor son of a prophet. He was a shepherd. And the flock that he was tending wasn't his own. It was of a rich guy. You see? And yet the Lord saw him. The Lord saw his heart. And Amos said, I'm no prophet. And the Lord says, hey, you're my guy. I love that. So powerful. I mean, look at Chloe. Hey, you're my gal. Look at Hannah. Hey, you're my gal. You see how beautiful this is? I mean, if you're listening for the first time, it's like, well, you know, I get that he says it's beautiful, but I don't get, you know, I kind of don't get it. 
Well, you listen to those studies, our prior studies, and you'll understand more and deeper. And It's so beautiful. And when you understand formula and recipe and you apply the formula and recipe in your life, put on your seatbelt. Put on your seatbelt because the Lord will move. As surely as he lives, he will move. You see? And it's it's glorious. You see? And we see this, you know, just like the example we gave with the with the immigrant, you know, the female immigrant, and you have a generation of children and grandchildren, they never taste that harm of the of the home country. But what happens when they forget? It doesn't turn out so well for that generation. We see it in Israel, but we see it also in the church. Today, we see it in the church. I mean, we've seen it in our studies in the in the epistles, letters to the churches. I mean, Philippi, that's like model church. That's like, that, 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 those pastors and teachers, awesome, on point. Full package in Philippi. Full package. They taught the, the saints well, very well. And that's why you don't see, when you understand the, like, the tempo of Paul's letters, that's why you don't see any form of chastisement in Philippi when Paul writes his letters. It's just the opposite. You see, like, hey, you know, not to, like, not to you know, cause any room for bows, but, you know, everything's on point. There's still warning, but it's not like a shame kind of warning. It's like, you know, hey, you know, watch out for these things. And it's, it's beautiful. But then you look at Galatians, <laughs> when Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians. I marvel that you've turned away so soon from Jesus. When Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians, he doesn't say, you know, oh, foolish Philippians. No, it's just the opposite. There's praise for the Philippians. For the Corinthians, does he say, you know, he, he, he even writes the question, do I praise you in this? No, I don't praise you in this. Do I praise you in that? No, I don't praise you in that. You see? And when you understand formula, you realize this holy recipe and ho- holy formula when applied in your life, when you choose, yes, I'm going to apply these truths in my life. And it's the word of God. It's not any type of, you know, pep rally. It's not any type of, you know, hey, you know, this is going to be a boost your esteem. No, it's the holy recipe as found in the word of God, Genesis to Revelation. And you apply these truths in your life. Now, Old Testament, you know, the law, it's good to have this understanding of the law. But until the seed, we are not a people of the law. And so I say that specifically if you're a new believer, because, you know, if you're a new believer, you say, okay, I'm going to know the Bible. I want to learn the Bible. And then you're going to study Leviticus. And it's like, well, wait a second. And you say, okay, I'm going to apply Leviticus to my life. I'm going to celebrate this. I'm going to do this. And no, 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 no. I mean, go to the epistles first, you know, how, how you go to our studies, you know, how to mature in Christ, how to grow in Christ. And then you have, when you have that as your base plate and you stand firmly on the rock of salvation, the fulfillment of the law, then you go back and listen to our studies through the Old Testament and you'll understand more. The beauty of what the Lord has done and is doing as evidenced in you, my beautiful friend, my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister, as evidenced in you. You want to see a miracle? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. You want to see a miracle of the Lord? Look in in the mirror because you are a miracle of the Lord you see and the church is forgotten 
The last day's church isn't necessarily church. It's the last day's saint. That's why you see in Revelation, so people say, oh, the church is raptured because, you know, after Revelation 4, you don't see the word church. So because it's raptured, wrong. We see saint. Why? Because the church enters judgment. As Peter prophesies, the church enters judgment. There's something very special and beautiful about the remnant, the wise virgin. You see? The remnant remembers the Lord. The remnant honors the Lord. And don't forget that God is reactionary. We see the effectuation of promises unto the remnant. Good and beautiful promises. And so we see here in verse 44, the Lord gave them rest all around. You see, and I mean, you remember our study on Sunday? It just so happens we study this on Sunday in Hebrews 3. In Hebrews 3, verse 16, for who, this is Hebrews 3, verse 16, for who having heard rebelled, question mark, Hebrews 3, verse 16, for who having heard rebelled, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years, question mark? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? Question mark. Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Question mark. Verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, in the Old Testament, our studies here, don't forget, it's the first generation could not enter because of unbelief. Because, you remember, belief, when there's belief, there is obedience. Now, I'll put that another way. When there's belief, there needs to be obedience. I'll put it another way. When there's belief, there should be obedience. And I put it that way for a reason, because ball's in your court. Ball's in our court. We have a choice to make. God doesn't make robots. It's you and me yielding to the word of God. And when we yield to the spirit, the spirit helps us yield to the word of God. And we have to be very cautious of other spirits. Remember when you pray to the pneumos, you're in the pneumos. We pray to God the Father or Jesus Christ. Never pray to the spirit. Never pray to the Spirit because when you open yourself up to the pneumos, you're open to the pneumos, which that can be very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. I mean, you listen to our studies about spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, you'll understand more. All these studies are housed and resources and archived for you, the remnant believer. I'm fully expecting these resources, these archives to be shut down. Some of our platforms have already been shut down. They've already been shut down. Not all of them, but some already have been shut down. Why? Hate speech. Hate speech. You see? Prophetically speaking, 
there will be a famine of the word of God. But the remnant stores her oil. The remnant stores her oil. And so we see the Old Testament, the first generation could not enter because of unbelief. And so we understand that, you know, uh, 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 belief, there must be obedience. And, you know, we put that in different ways. There needs to be obedience and there should be obedience. But the ball's in your court. We have a choice to make. But understand that with the opposite is also true, that with unbelief, there is no obedience. Well, put another way, with unbelief, there is disobedience. You see? With unbelief, there is disobedience. And I don't say that to scare or terrify, but the implications are scary and terrifying. But the remnant understands. And so you figure, okay, so the second generation is all set because, you know, look at the, you know, in, in, in our study in Hebrews on, on Sunday, Hebrews 3, verse 19, that they could not enter because of unbelief. So you figure, okay, so we have the second generation and they enter in. And so, you know, they, they weren't unbelieving. They were believing. So we're all set. They're okay. And yes, that's true for now in our, you know, in our study in Joshua 21. That's absolutely true for now. But they still have their day-to-day living. They still have their year-to-year living. They still have their decade-to-decade living. And just as we said with the thief on the cross, had he come down, not to suggest anything heretical, but had he come down, he'd still have his day-to-day to to live. He'd still have his year-to-year. He'd still still have his decade-to-decade. You see? The Lord sees the obedient. The Lord knows those who are his. As for you and me, we can only see the fruit. But the Lord knows. And the Lord gives rest. And you have this moment in in Joshua 21, you have this moment of rest. And yes, it is beautiful. Very, very beautiful. Incredibly beautiful. I mean, just as we see in Joshua 21, verse 44, the Lord gave them rest all around. Praise be to the Lord. This is second generation. But is this rest that the Lord gives? Does it span into tomorrow? Into next week? Into next year? Into next decade? Well, ball's in their court. Ball's in their court. Tomorrow, you know, is the Lord Lord? Well, today, yes. Tomorrow, yes. Next week, yes. Next month, yes. Next year, yes. Next decade. You see? I hope every single one of us can say yes. But in the case of Israel, you know, is the Lord Lord? Yes. Is the Lord Lord next week? Yes. But in the course of time, is the Lord Lord? No. Molech is. Baal is. Asterisk is, you see, and we're going to see that. Look at today inside the church. Is the Lord Lord? One day, yes. A year later, is the Lord Lord? No, crack is Lord. You see, sex is Lord. The pornography is Lord. Strippers are Lord. Gambling is Lord. You see, 
I mean, you know, when we read the Old Testament, sometimes people say, oh, that's just the Old Testament. That was for thousands, thousands, and thousands, and thousands, and thousands of years ago. It's not, it doesn't apply to today. No, it's, it's absolutely applicable today. Nothing new under the sun. We see the same thing in the early church. We see the same thing in the modern church. Is Jesus Christ Lord, the real Jesus whose word is above his name. Remember, one of the signs of the last days, there will be many Christs. Many Christ. I mean, picture the lineup. You remember our pastoral study, uh, pastoral epistles and just the, the epistles to the churches. You know, picture a thousand Christ. Everybody looks the same. They speak the same or they, they have the same tone of voice, I should say. They don't speak the same, but they have the same tone of voice. They look exactly the same. They dress the same way. Picture a thousand. The false Christ will say, you know, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. The false Christ will teach replacement theology. Oh, God is all done with Israel. The false Christ will say, oh yeah, go ahead and go grace soaking. No big deal. The false Christ will, will, will be on board with the money preachers. But the real Christ, the remnant knows him. The remnant knows the real Jesus. You know why? Because his word is above his name. And the remnant knows the word of God. See, the Lord gives rest, but entry, entry into his rest, balls in your court. I mean, balls in my court, balls in your court. Every single one of us has a choice to make. You see, and don't forget, disobedience is unbelief. Obedience is belief. You see, I mean, just our, 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 our study on Sunday, we said verse Hebrews 3, verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It says exactly what Brother James says. Faith without works is dead. And remember, he likens that to Abraham and Isaac. And when you read the account of Abraham and Isaac, Abraham does exactly what the Lord told him to do. Obedience to the word of the Lord. You see, obedience. People say, oh, it's works-based, works-based, works-based. Like, you know, I got to knock on the doors. Like, you know, the J-dubs, Jehovah's Witnesses, or the Mormons. I got to get like 10 converts today so that I can earn my way to heaven. No, 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 no. We're not saved by works. We're saved, just as we studied, for good works. You see, very important to make these distinctions and have this understanding because not only will it, will it help you grow and mature in Christ, but growth and maturity in Christ and becoming deadly in Christ is beautiful and glorious. But at the same time, rest. Rest in the Lord. You see, the Lord gives rest. Absolutely. I mean, in a very carnal sense, you know, people say, I can't wait for the weekend. I can't wait for the weekend. And people endure a work week looking forward to the weekend of rest. I can't wait for the weekend. So they work there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, boom, weekend. And they love it. They're, you know, I'm just going to relax this weekend. But how much more? How much more? How much more for the soul that endures the times for God's promise of rest? In paradise. You see? 
And so we see here in verse 44, the Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. Remember, just as the Lord said he would bless, he blesses. And don't forget our studies through Deuteronomy 28, that blessings of obedience and the curse for disobedience. Everything hinges. God's blessings, they hinge on obedience. You see? And not a man, in verse 44, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Verse 45. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. I don't want to lord over anybody's faith. I don't want to lord over anybody's walk with the Lord. Very personal unto you, you unto the Lord, the Lord unto you. Very personal. But if you are willing, highlight verse 45. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Remember, there is a crown. There is a crown in heaven. You believe in Jesus Christ? Praise be to the Lord. Walk with him, grow in him, mature in him, become deadly in him. And understand that there is a crown in heaven. It has your name on it. It has your name. This crown is for, I mean, put your name on there. Like a, a piece of tape that has your name on it. No, we'll engrave it. Well, you know, tape is, you know, that's that's more worldly. Well, no, no tape. We'll engrave it on there. But that crown has your name on it. Who among us? will endure to a time when that crown will be placed on your head according to God's promises. You see? I mean, with our, with Israel and our studies in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, especially now that we're in Hebrews, but remember that it's only Joshua and Caleb from that first generation that enters the promised land and You remember our study in in Numbers when 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 God says, you know, go in and fight the Canaanites. And they were afraid. The, the recon team, Moses sends out the recon team, the recon team comes back and they give report, oh my goodness, these Canaanites, they're enormous. These guys are giants. You know, this guy's, this guy, his pinky is the size of my torso. This guy is huge. And that's just one guy. And that was the little guy. The big guys, they're enormous. They're going to destroy us. They're going to kill us. And we're freaked out about these guys. And what they have forgotten is that God said, no, you're going to defeat them. I'm with you. And when that recon team comes back and says, oh my goodness, these Canaanites, they're no joke. These guys are big. That fear, not of the Lord, that fear of the Canaanites was endemic and it spread to the camp of Israel. And Israel refused to enter Canaan. All of that, all the congregation of Israel, that first generation, they all were like, no, we are not going to enter Canaan because, you know, they blamed it on the women and children. They blamed it on the kids. We want our, we want our families to be safe. We want our kids to be safe. 
but disobedience unto the Lord, they were the ones that welcomed that unsafeness, that danger and that harm to the very people that they were saying that they wanted to protect. Oh, we want our women and children to be safe. Look, we got little kids. We want them to be nice and safe. And so we're not going to go to Canaan. But the opposite was true because the most safety was found in the obedience of the Lord. Where there's disobedience, it's not safe. You see? And all the congregation was freaked out. Except for two. Joshua and Caleb. And all the congregation of Israel, they wanted to kill them. They wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. Remember our study in Numbers 14. In Numbers 14, verse 10, all the congregation, they wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb. The majority, they were united. You see, they had unity. They had it. You figure, wow, you know, we want unity. We want unity. Well, there you go. They had their unity. All Israel, they were united. But, and they were united against Caleb and Joshua. They wanted to kill them. They wanted to stone them. They had unity. But their brand of unity was far different than that of Joshua and Caleb. It's the, it's the same in the last days. It's the exact same in the last days before our entry into the promised land. You see, there is a church unity of these last days that is far different, far, far different from remnant unity. Koinonia, Episynagoge, Ecclesia, love feast there is a unity that is against god and there is a unity that is with god you see and the unity of the remnant it's 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 the unity that it is of the Lord. It's like, it's like Smyrna and Philadelphia. Good pastors in Smyrna and Philadelphia, very good pastors, very good teachers in Smyrna and Philadelphia. But don't forget, that's just two. There's five more. The seven churches in Revelation two and three. Very good teachers, very good pastors, just like in Philippi. Very good teachers and pastors in Philippi and Smyrna and Philadelphia. Very good. Full package. But there's a total of seven churches. What's up with the other five? Not so good. You see, and God is reactionary. And that's why the Lord read letters in Revelation 2 and 3. That's why the Lord says, repent, 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 repent. He says it to churches. He says it to Christians. Believers. You say, well, they believe. Yeah, they believe. Well, how come he says to repent? Because they're disobedient. But I thought you said that with disobedience is unbelief, but yet you say they're believers? That's precisely the point. 
That's precisely the point because there's the disconnect. There's the disconnect. And that's why we have found in the word of God the call to repent. Repent, 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 repent. You see? The unity that is with God is the way of the remnant. Population, tiny. But who has despised the day of small things? You see? To the beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.